Hi everyone, and welcome to the 141st episode of Kingdom Hearts Union. I'm your host, Brandon, and I'm here with Churro! Hey guys. How's it going, man? Oh, it's, it's, it's going, you know. You know. Same old, same old, uh, work and more work and even more work and... Well, I got some good news. So oh, really? last last podcast, if you remember, we were talking about some uh, some things that we want to re revive. Yes, namely the Kingdom Hearts Union deep dive stream. We did a poll on Twitter, and uh-huh. guess what the answers were? What were the answers were? The answers were everything we could ever expect they would be. So, uh, if I remember correctly, the questions were like, um, should we play, uh, what difficulty should we play on? Turo, when given an option, what do you think the most people would tell other people to play Kingdom Hearts 2 at? What difficulty do you think? The hardest one, critical. Think the hardest one, critical. You're right. That's what they chose. Uh, and then I asked that, that, them. That's what that's like pretty much like most like people like when you stream Kingdom Hearts. That's like the difficulty most people expect you to play on. Yeah, you got to play on critical. Okay, fine. Uh, Churro, I asked them, should we fight Lingering Will? The answers were yes or no or super no. What do you think they chose? Yes. Yes, that's exactly what they chose. Because given an option, do you want something or nothing? Of course, people are gonna choose something. Yeah, they want to see you suffer, Brandon. I think no, I think what they want is they want to see me fight Lingering Will and actually be kind of good. At- or no, th- what they want to see is they want to see me suffer once and then win the second time. What is actually going to happen is I'm going to suffer through about 20 times of failing against Lingering Will and maybe at the end of it I will either win or I will give up. I don't think that's what they want, but that's probably what they're going to get because they think I'm good at video games or they think I'm just some, you know, n- normal human being that's good at video games or as good as them. So, and the answer is no. The answer is no. <laughs> hey, hey, not even not even I'm an expert at Kingdom Hearts, you know, 2 or any other games myself. I mean, yeah. Um I'm like I always watch like Biscuits, you know, both biscuits, bloody biscuits, and the other biscuit, you know, yeah. you know, speed run, or sometimes I watch Starland one, you know, speed run, and I'm just like in awe of how good they are, and I'm, and then when I play, it's like, why am I dying so much? Exactly, and it, you know, if you remember, like, kind of the point of the deep dive stream is to sort of be the antithesis, the opposite of a speed the educational. Run. It's educational about the story, about the lore, about the trivia. We are taking it slow. That's sort of the idea. So yeah, I don't know I why mean, all these people want all this gameplay stuff. Well, maybe. Well, maybe after we get through all that educational stuff with it, and yeah. maybe you can go back and then actually do lingering will for fun. Not yeah. worry about the. I mean, we gotta you know, kind of do lingering it. will at least because it's got a little bit of story related to it, mm-hmm. but. It's it's definitely it's not as important story as like you know in Kingdom Hearts Final Mix like when you fought against unknown there's an actual cutscene there and you you know in the canon of Kingdom Hearts Sora does meet Xemnas that day he does meet Xemnas in Kingdom Hearts one 
that's canon, and it gets referred to again in future games like Kingdom Hearts 2. But Sora's encounter with Lingering Will has never been addressed a second time. Except yeah, for it's... except for now that I remember, the first breath concert had that stupid dr- audio drama of Namine and Lingering Will. I guess that kind of maybe hints at Sora having met him. I mean, yeah, cuz that's considered canon stuff. That's canon, too. but like that yeah, like by comparison, if you had to like compare which is more important to the canon, like Kingdom Hearts 1 Sora meeting Zemnus or Kingdom Hearts 2 Sora meeting Lingering Will, obviously the Zemnus meeting is more important cuz like Zemnus even refers to it in the opening of Kingdom Hearts 1. He says to Roxas, I've been to see him. He looks a lot like you. So, like, it comes up a lot, and it appears in Sora's flashbacks when the data is being restored in his memories. So, but, you know, Lingering Will, so far, the only thing I can think of that we've had in terms of references is that that audio thing that only if you went to the first breath concerts would you have heard and i think it was not even at all of the first breath concerts i think it was just like the first one in tokyo or something yeah it wasn't all the first breaths but it was actually played i think it was played at the orchestra concerts the world tour too i think yeah well the the, the only one i know i know for i know for sure it was in the program okay it was yeah it was in the program if you bought it but i don't recall them was it in english yeah, they have it in Japanese and then they have it in English. But okay. from what I recall, I don't think they played that scene specifically. Yeah, nominating Terra one. I just know it's in the program. Well, I'd like, to, I'd, yeah, I'd definitely like to see the English version of that because I haven't, I haven't yeah. seen a, an official one yet. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll snap a photo and send it to you after we're done recording. Yeah, sounds good. So, uh, yeah, I guess that means we have to fight lingering will and we have to play uncritical. Good news, I have been playing on Critical just to practice, and it's not it's it's really not that bad. And like I've I've been like sort of making notes at like, okay, at this part of the game I need to be at this level. And I've kind of determined that based off of my like typical like grinding strategies, I will be just fine. If I grind a little bit before Twilight Thorn, and if I grind, the the main place that I need to grind before is going to be uh, Olympus Coliseum, the the first time you go there. And I think my goal for that one is I want to be like level 20 or level 21. If I'm level 21 before I go there, the rest of the game is cake. Like, because just the natural rate that you just will be leveling up once you make it to that point it's like it's pretty easy going on now this is that the 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 strategies i'm 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 saying here this is just to get me through the base game nothing (laughs) helps you with lingering will lingering will you could be a level 99 you could be a level one doesn't matter it's it's just hard well at least they're not asking you to do mysterious figures so yeah well we'll see and not I'm not, and there's a big a big reason I didn't ask. Hey, do you want me to do all the data organization fights? 
Yeah, luckily you didn't do that. I did not do that. Um, I think there there really isn't much to go along with him. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think deep dive wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have to. Um, yeah, I don't have to fight them to unlock Terra. I I don't have to fight them to unlock Lingering Will. I think you just have to beat the game. Yeah, you got to beat the game, then reload it up. Yeah, and reload it. Well, uh, I think the the thing was you had to beat the game and complete all the worlds, which I guess means including Winnie the Pooh. So, as long as you do that, that that'll uh, get you lingering well when you reload the save or something, because there's like the there's like a clear save that you can load, and that that gets you lingering well. Uh, and then yeah, the so so basically like the three main optional things that i know of if we decided to unlock the birth by sleep secret ending the three ones that i know of are there's lingering will there's mushroom 13 and then there's the data battles and once you do all three of those then you get like the gold crown and that gets you birth by sleep which i am totally fine with just watching birth by sleep on youtube and that'll be fine because like yeah we're we're gonna play Birth by Sleep like right away anyway. So like, and Birth by Sleep has that video in it, more or less, reenacted. It's it's a it's a part of the intro, so it's I don't think it's a big deal. And yeah, like considering the purpose of the deep dive stream, the main purpose is story analysis. I can see the argument. For Lingering Will, because Lingering Will does have a cutscene, so okay, fair enough. That contributes to the story. Uh, the data battles, there is no story. The Cave of Remembrance, there is no story. Mushroom 13, there is no story. So, yeah, I don't see a need to go through that stuff. I, I have no problem, like, you know, just for fun dipping my toe into it and like let's see let's see how far we can get you know just for fun but like other than that i don't see a purpose for it so yeah that that, that's sort of where i stand and uh it seems like more or less the the time that we were talking about fridays uh around 8 p.m that that should be fine for most people i think we had like 85 percent of respondents said it was fine so yeah, I, I think I, I think that's good. I think scheduling is just always going to be the difficulty. Like, at the end of the day, I'm in Japan, so <laughs> there's only so much I can do. And, like, as far as I can tell, that is literally the most opportune time I have in my entire week. So, yeah, I don't, I don't see that in- improving unless you like to be awake at 4 a.m. watching me play for four hours. So, right. So yeah, I I think that that pretty much covers that stuff. Also, in terms of setup, we've got some updates in my audio setup. I ho- I hope I hope y'all can hear it cuz I spent money on this. <laughs> so, I got a microphone arm. <laughs> so now my microphone can be closer to my mouth. And therefore, the audio should be cleaner because my voice will be louder to the microphone than my background noises in my apartment. So hopefully that makes it better. I was going to say, welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. Yeah, Churro's had one for a while. Uh, And then I also got, I I don't think it affects things now, but it could 
definitely affect things in the future. I bought an audio interface, which for some people, oh. you know, you know it as a, a DAC, a digital yeah. auto, audio converter, but it's not just a DAC. It is a it is a, a legit audio interface, and it has an XLR input. So, in the future, if I want to upgrade my mic, I can get a pro mic. And nice. So, yeah, I've been using it, and oh my god, it sounds so much better than before. Just just for my PC, just general PC usage, because before uh, I was just using the audio straight out of my monitor. Not 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 from the speakers, but my my monitor. It, it, my monitor does have speakers, but it also has a headphone jack out. So I mm-hmm. I would take the audio out of my monitor and then plug it into a, a set of speakers. And, and they're nice speakers. The problem is the the monitor's DAC is so weak that like the the volume is just really really low. So just for general usage of my PC, uh, the audio sucked. So that's that was part of the reason I wanted to get this DAC. So now everything can be like crystal clear and as loud as I want it to be. Awesome, I love it. So highly recommend it. It's an Audience ID4, which is like the the entry level uh, of their line. It's really nice. So so we're 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 making big moves. Uh, the the monitor that I need for the deep dive stream, the secondary monitor, it is on its way. So, uh, yeah, maybe we'll be able to do like a test stream in the very near future. Dun, dun, dun. Depends hope on you're ready. <laughs> yeah, hope you're ready. I hope I'm ready. Don't I worry, will, Brendan. I, you're, you're I will ready. say, I will say, not 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 trying to toot my own horn, not trying to set up your expectations too much, but when I fought the Twilight Thorn. I beat it really fast, like really, really fast. And like so fast that it didn't even get to most of its phases because Twilight Thorn's got a bunch of phases. He didn't even get to any of those. I I knocked him out fast. So, you know, I, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident I have a good strategy because I, I watched, I watched a speedrunner basically to see what their strats were. And I got a pretty decent strategy for how to beat the Twilight Thorn quickly. And without him getting into too many phases. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we won't have a repeat of Darkseid from Kingdom Hearts 1. That's 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 all we can hope for, right? Alright, so uh, anyway, for you new folks, Kingdom Hearts Unit is part of the podcast called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Unit and is presented by the Gaming Union Network. We release every Tuesday, rotating each week with Final Fantasy Union, and we come out on the iTunes Store and KingdomHeartsUnion.com. We have a two-segment show today. First, we have our news segment, and then we have our question segment. In the we, way of announcement... We announce- actually have news? We have news. Okay. I just we want have, to make sure, because... We, we've got news. We've got some news that's like actually new and then we've got some news that's like uh follow-up stuff i just want to make sure because it's too early for april fools i know it, it, yeah it's too early and uh yeah so far so good no 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 april fools jokes yet all right but you y'all watch out though because yeah if, if i check if i check the schedule uh no we're gonna we're gonna completely miss april fools so no worries you don't Ooh. have to worry about any april fools from us too bad Maybe we can do an April Fool's stream. 
That sounds good. Anyway, so uh, uh, as always, if you guys like the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Uh, our Patreon is uh, patreon.com slash FFKHUnion. Just pledge a dollar and get access to a special podcast called Please Be Excited. Our Patreon executive producers are as follows. We've got Blue Machine, who is at Blue Machine. Lewis James. Barry Norton, who is at Nortron Zero. Chris Morales. Eric Decker, who's at Choco Taco. Jonathan Gonzalez, who's at Oh It's Just Johnny. Marcus Karnecki. Michael Graham. Thorin Bullen, who's at Massacre 23. Zach Duranto, who's at ZDuranto58. Billy Jackson, who's at underscore Billy Jackson. Darren Matthews, who's at Doomster73. Justin, uh, Dustin Smith. John McRae. Joseph Robertson, who's at Pokemon Trainer J. And sure enough, you can take these last ones. We got Josh McNabb at J2K9. Keith Field at The Mighty Keith. Mario, Mario Herker. Mike. Mike Shirley Donnelly at Cur- Curious Quail. Miles Ribbons. Mohamed Quayam. Nico Gonzalez at Nick underscore Nack 95. Patrick. Rachel Casterston at Obrin Yoon Ray. Richard Holman at Vix Lennon. Rob Porter at Scorty Bertie 1. Tyson Wildman at Ty Wildman 1. Vita Nitas at V underscore Tron 5000. Zach Porter at Porter Paradox. And Zelda Clone at Apes Type Novels. And be a part of the show. Send us your questions to khuquestions at gmail.com. Alrighty, on to the news! Yay! So, our first bit of new news is the World Tour Encore has been announced for Kingdom Hearts! Yay! Yay! That was actually a big surprise. That is a big surprise. I don't think anybody was expecting them to bring it back. Everybody thought it was like a one-and-done thing because it was the 15th anniversary last year. Yeah. But yeah, I guess the deal was like they did it and like, you know, you think about it, like they did it and like it was selling out at most places it was going to. So like, I mean, they even had to bring a couple of extra shows to L.A. Yeah. and New York. So just going based off of that, you know, it's clearly profitable. So why not keep and, doing it? And my thing is that last year, the very first you know, world tour concert in in the states was in L.A. Mm-hmm. just before E3, and we got a brand oh. new trailer. Oh boy! And uh, I'm I'm thinking, you know, could we get another new trailer with so, possibly yeah. a release date finally? So let, let's let's get into that. So in terms of locations, yeah, like you said, the first mm-hmm. location is Los Angeles, California, and it is suspiciously on June 9th. 2018 june 9th what what day is that is that a sunday that's a saturday saturday so that's a saturday just like it was just like it was last time last the first concert was on a saturday the first time just before e3 again just before e3 yep and generally speaking not just last year but also the year before the year before the 2016 they showed their trailer. Don't ask me why I remember. They showed it first on June 8th. So, you know, we're talking June 8th. You know, a couple days before E3 has sort of been Kingdom Hearts's like, you know, tradition for the past couple of years. So, 
maybe they'll do it again at the orchestra. I mean, why not? Exactly. I mean, this orchestra is dedicated to them, and you know, and they don't have to worry about you know being you know pushed you know away. If like for example, if it's on if let's compare you know releasing a trailer here versus a Sony conference, you know. The concert has a more intimate feel with its fans, you know. Fans are there for the music, you know, being together with other fans. And then you got, you know, a surprise at the end if it does happen again. You know, it's all, you know, all eyes are on all eyes are on Kingdom Hearts. Whereas exactly you don't have to showing up at PlayStation. Yeah, it's like you, you got people tuning in, tuning out. You know, oh, you know, oh, wow, we just saw a new God of War trailer. Yay. Okay. Oh, now they're going to show Kingdom Hearts. Okay, whatever. And then, you know, people tune out. But no, with the Kingdom Hearts World Tour, everybody's there for Kingdom Hearts. So it's all good. Uh, So, yeah, really, really interesting stuff. I, I, I'm i with you, Churro. I think they're, they're going to do that. I want to also hey, point- I got my ticket ready. I oh, got my good. ticket. <laughs> yeah. VIP ticket, too. Yeah, I'm planning on go to going to E3 too, but I, I'm not planning on going that early, so I'm not going to make it for that. But I hope you enjoy it. Uh, but I want to point out that so ever since last year, since the since the the first orchestra trailer, and I get I guess this has kind of kind of been a little bit of a trend even before that, but at, at the very least since the last orchestra trailer uh, from last year's E3. Every trailer they've shown, including the D23 ones, have featured music from the World Tour concert. Do you think they're going to do that again? Is that Of course. They got to do that. And that just they have to. that just makes me think like you know, Kingdom Hearts has all this wonderful orchestra music. I wonder if they're going to use any of those recordings in the game. Do they have the rights to that? They have it for the marketing clearly, but They like, they should. I hope they well, do. Here, here's my question. Here's my question, though. Yeah. Do you think they'll actually use "Don't Think Twice" in the trailer as well? Mm. That is definitely a possibility. I'm going to pose you another possibility. I want I want to ensure that you are properly in your seat and wearing a seat belt of some I sort. I don't get that though. Well, hold on tight. What if they debut? The orchestral version of "Don't Think Twice" live. That would be insane. <laughs> I mean, I mean, last, I mean, last year's, you know, at first LA concert, they had when they showed the trailer, they actually had the orchestra play uh, "Wave of Darkness" live yep. while the trailer was playing. They didn't. They only did it for that that concert. They didn't do it for any other concerts. Exactly. So you know. To hear, you know, I don't think twice orchestra version would be insane. You know, when you know what would be even more insane mm-hmm. is if Utada comes out and sings it herself. Oh man, that'd be the best. Sings so live. There's so the many trailer. possibilities. There are so many possibilities. So I'm definitely hoping that that is going to happen. I want to. I want to get an orchestral version of Don't Think Twice with the trailer. Make make it happen, Square. You can do it. So another interesting thing to point out this is a, this one's a twofer. The orchestral concerts have two glaring qualities to them. One glaring quality to it is 
Well, for, for one, it starts around E3. That's something interesting. That That's not one of the two qualities. Uh, one quality is there's no Japanese events. There's no Japanese locations yeah, that's, at all. That's kind of odd. That's odd. Also, being something that is, uh, you know, in 2018, it doesn't really extend all the way through 2018. In fact, it ends in October. October 20th. Now, we don't know if this is the full list. At the very least, we know for a fact there's no Japanese dates. We don't know that there won't be Japanese dates. And I don't know about you, Churro, but if I look at this schedule, I mean, look at this. They've got, you know, in June they've got a date, and then after June, after E3, you know, we're talking July's got... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight concert locations in July alone. We've got one, two, three, four, four in August. One, two, three, three in September and two in October. So in my humble opinion, these uh, these concerts are very packed. I do not oh, yeah. see where they could fit more concerts in between any of these. So I mean, they it can is, always add more dates, you know. They can add more dates, but what I think is I don't think they will add more dates in the middle of any of these cuz there's just too many already there. So my theory is got a glaring omission of a of a very important country to this game, Japan, and we've got a glaring uh uh amount of concerts crowding up the schedule until October. So I think that this possibly confirms that maybe if they decide to have Japanese concerts, I think they'll be in November. And I think they might coincide with the release of Kingdom Hearts 3. He took the roots right out of of my mouth. I was going to say, you know, that that was my theory too. You know, they're exactly. gonna, you know, the announced pretty much E3 comes, you know, the first concert comes, it's the release date, and then all of a sudden, bam, there you go. Kingdom exactly. Hearts, you know, board tour, encore coming to Japan around the dates of the release date. Can't wait. Can't wait. This this all is uh it's all happening so fast, Churro. I can't believe it. It it's coming. I mean we're we're already in March, you know, we're March tenth right now as we're as we are recording. I know. It's, so, this is you know, it's crazy. it's going too fast. <laughs> yep, yeah, t- time goes by so slowly, but then then it goes fast. <laughs> not only that, oh, uh, not only that, they're gonna yes. have another on uh, war tour for next year, and they're gonna update the um, the listings to reflect some songs from Kingdom Hearts three. Yep, that makes sense. That makes sense. So if you are missing out, you know, or you're going. You know, this year, you can always look to 2019's concerts and get some uh, live orchestra of Kingdom Hearts, some Kingdom Hearts 3 songs. Exactly. So we definitely know of, you know, a bunch for 2018. We know the future contains Kingdom Hearts 3. So 
that would that would just only uh strengthen the concept that somewhere in the middle between the end of the current concerts and the beginning of the the next concerts in 2019 somewhere in the middle that's where you'll find kingdom hearts 3 can't wait oh my god okay it's coming it's finally happening finally happening they you know i think that you know with with all of this there's there is no way they can delay this game they can't do it they've got they've got too many concerts <laughs> scheduled around it you know they don't want another uncovered yeah, event, please, do they? please don't do that. So uh, anyway, so speaking of big events, uh, D twenty three. We keep talking about it, but there, there, there keeps coming new information from it. So we gotta, t- we gotta address this stuff. So uh, we got some more detailed takes from information from the D twenty three event, and I want to go through some of these interesting things. Uh, first thing is, uh, Nomura made some interesting comments that uh, right after the Monsters, Inc. trailer came out. And basically what he said was that uh, he wants to remind everyone that Kingdom Hearts 3 is still in production. So uh, the final version of the Monsters, Inc. stuff should look even nicer in the final release. And, can't wait for that. Yeah, can't wait for that. And like just going based off of like how each trailer looks, like every time they show Kingdom Hearts 3, it looks a little bit better. Every single time, every time they show it, looks a little bit better. Everything about it just gets that next layer of polish. And, you know, you just got to think about, like, the fact that, you know, it's getting more polished, but they haven't even reached the polish phase yet. Like, because, po- like, like, the true polishing phase comes towards the end of production. You know, it comes when basically all the game's content is created. That's when they have time to look at what they have and see what needs tweaking, what needs what needs the polish, what's not quite up to standard, and then they can go through and polish what needs polishing. So considering it's already getting polished, can't wait to see how much further they polish it towards the end of development. So can't wait yep. for that. And I know we were talking about last time that, you know, Sully looks a little bit on the rough side. You know, to be fair, Sully is the most difficult of all the characters in Monsters I believe to it. render. Uh, actually, uh, you know, we, we talked about before how with Rapunzel, like Rapunzel, Rapunzel's hair made Tangled like one of the most expensive movies ever. Uh, Sully was kind of a similar thing for Monsters, Inc. Uh, basically, uh, the deal with Monsters, Inc., when they were making that movie, they made Fur Tech and then they made Sully. <laughs> so it's like, they, you know especially back in the early Pixar days, it was kind of like they were developing new tech for rendering things in CG for the first time ever. And as they come up with new tech that, that opens them up to make new movies. So you got some crazy fur. Well, let's make a monster movie. Of course, that's what you do. So they made monster sink and yeah, they just, they just kept doing that, you know, fluid stuff, with Finding Nemo and like so, so many different movies that are influenced by, you know, different rendering techniques that they add. And, uh, you know, uh, it, just because they did it way back then in CG doesn't mean it's easy now in real time. It's definitely not easy. 
so that, that, that much is interesting. Uh, another thing is we were talking about in an earlier episode that there were some special uh, rare heart, heartless monsters. Uh, we now have information about what kind of heartless they are. Uh, they are apparently uh, some pudding-type heartless. So they look like pudding. And these pudding heartless uh, are, you know, a, a rare type of heartless, kind of similar to the mushrooms in Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix, the Mushroom 13. And each one of them has a different fruit accessory that identifies uh, what type it is. And each one has its own battle style. So depending on the fruit that's in its head, that's going to determine what strategies you take. Whereas with Mushroom 13, it was like they each had a number. So they had a number, then they had a specific... Uh... Like uh, yeah, it was like a different battle like action that they they were doing exactly. Like so their, their idle I think action. I think it's probably the same kind of a thing here. Is that the, you know just like with Mushroom Thirteen, there'll be some special challenge Heartless, and, and each one will have a, its own little challenge probably. So that's can't wait to see what they look like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They said yeah, they said something like they had like cream for eyes or something. Like it was really strange, but uh. Actually, recently in uh, in Kingdom Hearts Union Cross, they've had some some raid bosses that look kind of like that. Not not pudding, but they were like ice cream, ice ice cream heartless, and they had like I think they had cream for eyes and like cream and cherries and something for eyes. Like it, they're pretty bit you know they're huge. They're rage bosses, and yeah, they're they're shaped off of desserts. I just you know. Gotta love Japan. They're always coming up with weird, weird ideas for, for monsters, and of course, it's food. Something you gotta, something you gotta notice and appreciate about Japanese, like anime and games and stuff, is that Japan has a serious love affair with food. <laughs> like, you know, you, you take any Ghibli movie, for example, and you're always gonna have a food porn scene. There's always something that's just like. It, they just spent all this time animating someone cooking something or pouring like some sauce on some sort of dish. And like Japanese people just love food so much. And I can't tell you how many people I've met when I ask them, like, what's your hobby? And they tell me that they l- like to eat food. Well, hey, they, they always eat that stuff up. Yeah. Eh? It's, eh? It's, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's that's just how it is out here. There's a, a different appreciation for food. So, uh, yeah. So that's uh, that's that type of heartless. Moving on, we got some more details about the gummy ship. So, uh, basically, the structure is it's going to be a mission-based system, and each mission is divided into two phases. Uh, there's a combat phase, and then there's a search phase. And it seems that the the combat phase is what comes first. So going out, fighting the Heartless ships, kind of similar to how we were doing before with the Gummy Ship missions. And then after that, after you've beaten the Heartless, then you can do a search phase. Uh, and in this search phase, uh, you can freely move throughout the map in a full 360 degrees and explore looking for treasure and stuff like that. And uh, Yasuya-san commented that it has the feeling of an open world game. He did not say it was open world just said it had the feeling which i think kind of means that it's probably a big environment 
that we can explore. And uh, when you're in the search phase, you know, the fact that you have free movement, uh, that kind of makes it, you know, kind of feel open world. You know, you can go anywhere you'd like in a full 360 degree. So that makes it a lot more open than, uh, you know, obviously the old uh, gummy ship, which was like just on rails. Do you think they will actually see footage of it at, uh, in a new trailer? Uh, I would say there's a definitely strong chance that we're going to see it at E3, if only because uh, what we found out was that they actually saw all of this in footage at D23. Like, this was shown in a video at D23. Obviously, it wasn't, like, ready to be shown, but, like, if it was kind of already enough to show it to the public, even if it's in a small setting and not, like, the wide public audience... If they're able to show it at all, that means it's probably relatively polished. So, you know, between now and E3 and, you know, also considering the fact that the footage that they probably showed might have been a little bit on the older side anyway. Uh, you know, there I think it'll be polished enough that they could finally show it. If not like in the trailer, maybe like during like Square Enix presents, maybe they'll show like a a gameplay trailer or so you're gonna have to sit down for this. I know you're already sitting. Already but you're, you're gonna have to sit down for this. <laughs> sit down harder for this. Uh, what if we get a gummy ship demo at E3 that we get to play? Oh my god. <laughs> that I don't know if if the, if uh, Kingdom Hearts fans would be happy about that though. Like be, I know it's an I interesting would be concept, happy. but I mean I know you so would, happy. but like on the real, like if if. You know, instead of giving us like an actual play demo of Kingdom oh, no, Hearts, oh no, 3, I mean like, it's... what if there's like, you know, kind of like before with Kingdom Hearts, they how they had like on the title menu, you can select different demos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand what you're saying now. Yeah, maybe it was. Well, maybe you want that was only demo we no, get. No, 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 no. No, I mean like, what if you can select from that menu? All right, first demo is like uh, Monsters Inc. or Tangled, and then the second one on the demo is Gummy Ship. And then you can test the gummy ship. I I, yeah, I, personally, make sense. I I personally would be into it. I'd love to try out the gummy ship. So uh, yeah, that's what we learned about the gummy ship. And speaking of Tangled, we got a few more details about it. Uh, some of the people who watched it commented that they it seemed like Donald and Goofy uh, when you're running through the city that they were actually uh, they had better uh, AI in that. It seemed like they were trying to avoid collision with uh, with objects in the level and also other characters, and it kind of reminded them of how uh, the the Chocobros, you know, like uh, uh, Gladio, Ignis, and Prompto are in Final Fantasy fifteen, where they kind of like run with Sora and are like, you know, m- m- moving around objects kind of intelligently. Uh, you know, if you remember back in the past, it in like Kingdom Hearts one and Kingdom Hearts two, you know, if you run too fast and, and like jump up a, a up a ledge, like you might see Donald or Goofy sort of stuck in the corner. You know, you, you know, you you even you even have like uh, bosses, for example, like uh, Leon. <laughs> I think we actually did this in the deep dive stream where when I was fighting Leon. I like got him stuck on the accessory shop and he was just sort of jumping, jumping in place. Oh yeah. I remember that. That was, that was hilarious. Yeah. So, uh, 
it seems like Donald and Goofy in Kingdom Hearts 3 are a little smarter than that and that they'll try to avoid collisions with objects uh, as they're running through the world. Whereas in previous Kingdom Hearts games, it's just like they're just doing their best, <laughs> doing their best to keep up with Sora. Uh, it's actually pretty interesting. So I think the way the AI works is that they're reading your inputs. Uh, they do have pathfinding, so they, they are following Sora in the in the old games. So like they look at where Sora's location is, and if you walk a certain distance away from Donald and Goofy, that's when they start walking with you. If you're walking, they're walking. If you're running, they're running. If you jump, they jump. Uh, and they will also detect if you've jumped and are at a higher level, but sometimes it doesn't work. So it's... It's pretty interesting to see the way they pathfind in the old games, but I definitely would like to see a more robust version of that. And uh, yeah, actually, I've played around with it, and in Unreal Engine 4, they actually have a really good AI system in there just built in. And I built a, a small room that had like a ra- like a not, not not a ramp, like some stairs, and then there's like an elevated area. And mm-hmm. I had an AI opponent chase me up there, and then after I jumped off, it chased me. It cha- like it jumped off with me. So just the oh, built-in wow. AI in the game, uh, in, in in Unreal Engine Four can handle that. I yeah, I didn't I didn't really build build the AI from scratch. I just built the the level and using the basic AI that they had in in Unreal Engine Four already. It was already really smart. So I, I'm sure they're probably taking advantage of some of that already. Uh, some other things is that uh, so Sora can not only swim in Kingdom Hearts 3, but he can also dive in, underwater. So I can't wait to see how they use this in the game. Uh, obviously, there's going to be some you know exploration aspects to that. Uh, but uh, the the diving animation wasn't done uh around the time of D23, so they didn't show it off. Uh, Also, you can climb Rapunzel's tower, but only from the outside. (laughs) Which makes sense, because, like, uh, Rapunzel's tower doesn't have a door at the bottom. That's kind of the point. (laughs) Yeah, right. That's the point of Rapunzel's tower, is that she's not supposed to be able to, like, climb up it in the inside, because if she could do that, she could get out. Yeah, the whole point is to keep her in there. So. Exactly. So and plus, you know, Sora has the power to flow motion. So yeah, Sora's got the power of yeah, Sora's got the power to flow motion. Though I kind of hope we do get the chance to climb up her hair. <laughs> you know, just because it's it, it's kind of like with the tradition, it's Rapunzel. You gotta right. gotta climb up the hair. So uh, also, so there's some other details that have come out from this video. Um, uh, there is a world. That is very distinct from all the others. It's a very vague statement, but you yeah, know, if, right? if, if we look back to prior Kingdom Hearts games, Kingdom Hearts Two, for example, if I had to say which world out of that entire game I would call very distinct from the others, I would say it was Pirates of the Caribbean because that was the first one based on a live-action movie. Uh, Tron, Tron was also kind of like that, but Tron's a little bit more stylized. You know, Pirates of the Caribbean was kind of like the the first real one that was like, oh yeah, this is like really based off of a real movie, and like, you know, there's there's Johnny Depp and 
Orlando Bloom and Kara Knightley, and they're in Kingdom Hearts. That's crazy. Really weird mashup. <laughs> yeah, definitely a weird mashup. So that's that's a possibility. Actually, another one. Kingdom Hearts 2 had a bunch of these. Timeless River. Timeless River definitely counted as a world that was kind of distinct. So, like, I don't know what they're going for with this particular statement as, you know, there's one world that's really distinct from the others, but I think it's kind of going to be along this line, along these lines where it's like something really experimental. You know, Pirates of the Caribbean was experimental in the fact that it was a live action movie. Uh, Tron was the same thing too. Tron, Tron was Tron, the same thing. Tron Legacy as well. Tron Legacy. Uh, there's the you know Timeless River. The Fantasia World was also very uh, you know experimental in Dream Drop Distance. Uh, I'm trying to think. Was there anything in Birth by Sleep that was like really experimental? I don't think so. Uh, I don't think so. Cause... Yeah. Yeah, I can't really think of too many Birth by Sleep worlds other than Peter Pan. That's the one that comes to mind. Oh, Peter Pan, and then, like, yeah, so Birth by Sleep, a lot of the worlds were, like, old Disney princess worlds. You know, like Cinderella and uh, Snow White, Sleeping Beauty. So none of those were really all that experimental. But I guess, like, the main experimental aspect of Birth by Sleep was the fact you played as three different characters and you could switch. So I guess that's... That's probably experimental enough. Maybe Disney Town. Maybe Disney Town counts as the experimental world because it had all those mini games. So maybe it was that. But yeah, a lot of a lot of Kingdom Hearts games have like one world that, out of all the others, is kind of the experimental one. Actually, with Kingdom Hearts one, the one that was like that was Nightmare Before Christmas, because Nomura talked about how with that world. Uh, that was the only worlds where the textures were based off of photos. So they actually took photographs of like various textures uh, to wrap around the 3D models to give them a look to sort of make it look more like the stock motion and not look like the like soft shaded uh, models that all the other worlds had. So oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much all of the Kingdom Hearts games have something that's a little bit experimental, and now they got Unreal Engine Four. So. Sky's the limit there. Can't can't wait to see. I, I will say, if they decide to make a live action world, a live action based world, I can't wait to see it because, again, we're, we're going to be tooting Unreal Engine 4's horn, but Unreal Engine 4 is really, really good at that kind of stuff. Like photorealistic stuff, that's Unreal Engine 4's bread and butter. Like, it can do that stuff really good. So, like, uh, it, if you guys want to see some, like, crazy stuff, Google, I, I mean, one thing you could Google, Google Paragon by uh, by Epic Games. Uh, Paragon is a really photorealistic-looking game. Recently got shut down because Fortnite's too popular. Uh, but, yeah, Paragon was really beautiful. But another thing you can look up if you want to see some photorealistic stuff done in Unreal Engine 4, Google... Uh, UE4 Arc Viz, and that's Arc as in A C uh A R C H V I Z, which is architectural visualization. Uh Unreal Engine 4 is used by a lot of architecture companies to sort of visualize what like rooms will look like IRL when they build them for architecture. 
And those things look photoreal. Like, they look like real life. Like, no joke. So if you want to see some stuff that Unreal Engine 4 can do with photoreal stuff, it's really good at that. Check it out. So, yeah. If they decide to bring in Star Wars, they can make it look really good. Just saying. So, uh... Still hoping. Yeah, still hoping. That's for sure. I mean, just remember, like, uh, for example... Uh, in back cover, the Keyblade Graveyard. Well, before before it was the Keyblade Graveyard, when Lushu goes there in the desert, like that desert looks, it looks really, it looks legit. Like it looks like very very realistic. If you if you guys like go back and look at that, like the the graphics there are, are really really realistic. So that just goes to show you Unreal Engine Four, it, it's it's amazing. So moving on from that, there's uh, definitely more unrevealed worlds that we don't know about. You know, Nomura just confirming that, obviously. And uh, the production staff keeps requesting to add things to the second half of the game. And uh, yeah, so it just seems like they they keep asking like, oh man, wouldn't it be cool if we add this? Wouldn't it be cool if we add that? And a lot of that stuff is going towards the second half of the game because uh, the first... Uh, the first parts of the game seem to be almost complete. Like, the the first three worlds that we know about, like, are at the at about the ninety percent mark. So, like, yeah, not really too much you can add there. But you know, things like the the game and watch game and like various mini games and stuff like that. I'm thinking that's probably what they're looking to add. All these like extra side things. Uh, it, it was kind of funny in the video they said that they there was a shot of them in a production meeting and Nomura was kind of like uh, giving the animation team some crap and being like wow the animation team seems to have a lot of time on their hands why are these why are these guys not moving they, they look like stick figures they're not even doing anything maybe they should move <laughs> in like this really passive passive aggressive way to like say Come on, animate these guys in the background. They, they they weren't saying what world it was or anything, but it's pretty funny. And then, uh, yeah, and then also, uh, yeah, there seem to be some sections of the game that are that haven't been shown yet, but are actually almost done. So, like, there's a lot of stuff we haven't seen. Some of it's almost done. Uh, Tayasua said actually his favorite world hasn't even been shown yet. So. I can't wait to see what that is. I hope same you know, here. I hope that, to that, ask that's him gonna be about a treat. it. So yeah, I can't can't wait to see what that's all about. So uh, next bit of big news. This is uh, not related to D twenty three. This is news that came out later. Uh, uh, Takeharu Ishimoto and Tsuyoshi uh, Sekito from the that have worked on Birth by Sleep and Dream Drop Distance have been confirmed to be both working on Kingdom Hearts three soundtrack. So they'll be helping out with uh with Yokoshima Mora, which hey, like they've been working with Shimomura in in a collaborative way since Birth by Sleep, which that's like that game released in 2010. So they've been working together since probably before 2010, and I'm sad to inform you all of this, but that means they've been working together for more than eight years. <laughs> Because 2010 is just that far away. 
And yeah, man, eight years. That's the good that's news. Crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. The good news is like these guys, they are so good. And like, especially like Ishimoto, he's done so many great games for Square. He used to do like most of the, like the mobile titles. So he did Crisis Core, for example. He did uh, Type Zero. Like, and, and those games had such great stuff. I, I think he also did Dissidia and like, uh, Sekito worked on a lot of those games too and like these guys are really great and on top of that they've been working with Shimomura since back then uh, oh yeah also uh, Ishimoto did uh, The World Ends With You and that's like one of the best soundtracks Square's ever put out so like there, there's just so much goodness that comes from Ishimoto and I'm sure Sekito as well you know considering you know, Birth by Sleep and Dream Drop Distance are some of the best OSTs that have been made for Kingdom Hearts. So I can't wait to see what they do in the future. My only my only thing, I want to give Ishimoto a little bit of crap because prior to his uh, debut as a composer, he was a synth programmer and he was responsible for the really bad synth that was in Kingdom Hearts 2. The crappy horns. Like everybody craps really? everybody craps on uh Pirates of the Caribbean, how Pirates of the Caribbean's music sounded in Kingdom Hearts 2. That's on him. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> but I will say, since then, this man has been unshackled and he is able to express himself as a composer, and he's amazing. One of the best at Square Enix. Absolutely. And I'm so glad that he is on Kingdom Hearts 3. So, And the other good thing is we don't have to worry so much about, uh, about him synth programming because these days all the, all the music is handled uh, via samples. So all of the, uh, all the music, th- there isn't a, a live synthesizer on the PlayStation 4. It's not being synthesized. All the music is pre-recorded. Some of it, is synthesized but it's synthesized and recorded to like an mp3 file and then put in the game so you can use a professional synth you don't have to program something crazy to that has to run live on the ps4 you know back in the day basically what you had on the ps2 was you know there was like a live orchestra in your ps2 playing the music live for you because there wasn't enough storage on the disc and enough RAM in memory to have the game running and then also have have it play like a pre-recorded like MP3 file. That's why the only time you ever hear it where there's actually like pre-recorded music, it's in cutscenes. Like specifically uh in Kingdom Hearts 2, before you fight the Thousand Heartless battle, there's that pre-rendered cutscene and there's that big orchestra piece. The reason they're allowed to do that is because there's no live 3D models on screen. The video's pre-rendered, and so is the music. But now, all music is pre-rendered. Uh, actually, they've done that ever since Rechain of Memories. Ever since Rechain really? of Memories, all the music has been pre-recorded. Uh, that's why, if you ever actually go and look at the file size of the disc for Rechain of Memories, it's actually a lot bigger than Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix. And that's because of all the pre-recorded content, which is the video and the audio. All of that's pre-recorded. 
So if you ever go back and listen to Rechain of Memories music and notice, wow, all the instruments in this in this music sounds all, like really good. Uh, one good example, obviously, is Lord of the Castle from Rechain of Memories. That sounds amazing. So you know that's that's because of pre-recorded stuff. Which, by the way, since I just mentioned Lord of the Castle, oh my God, Churro. Do you think they're gonna they're gonna you think they're gonna bring back Lord of the Castle for Kingdom Hearts 3 because Marluxia's back? Depends on what the situation we have. Oh my god. With him and that warrants it, you know, it's all I want his final battle to be a an orchestral rearrangement of Lord of the Castle. Because that is seriously one of Shimomura's best works she ever made. So maybe maybe we'll get a boss battle with him sometime in the game better we better i'm gonna, I'm gonna demand it <laughs> do okay. it hey, yeah, if, if if i get to meet shimamura again i'll demand it well if i meet her prior to uh if i meet her prior to king hearts 3 coming out so yeah that's uh that's pretty much all our news uh i hope you guys enjoyed that moving on to our question segment our first question comes from tonight's key and they ask Final Fantasy 15 has DLC until at least 2019. Are you okay with having multiple rounds of DLC for Kingdom Hearts 3? And how far into the future are you willing to buy DLC for it? That's a tough one because like after looking at Final Fantasy 15's process, you know, process of DLC I mean, it's nice to get DLC, but, you know, you can easily tell that the the game story wasn't, you know, really put together in the final release. So, my thing in, is that as long as they don't keep charging you for, every, you know, for each DLC, you know, it's like, it's like, oh, here's all the final DLC, and then, oh, no just kidding here are more dlc that you got to pay for it's like okay that's enough you know because you know sometimes it's 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 good to have it but at the same time when you keep shoving it out there then it starts becoming redundant and you're just like okay whatever i'm not gonna bother with it now i will i I will just want to mention that yeah uh going off your point before that one of the problems with final fantasy 15's dlc is it basically all feels like just based on the type of content it is, is they're trying to fill holes in the story. They're trying to make the, uh, they're trying to make final fantasy 15, a complete product. Whereas, you know, which, which, which leaves a bad taste in your mouth because it feels like it makes it, it makes your previous purchase whether it's the main game or prior DLC, it makes your previous purchases of it feel kind of worthless because it's like, oh, well, why did I buy Final Fantasy 15 when I bought it when you didn't even finish it? So, that's that's the things in a lot of people's minds. I mean, I understand they wanted to create a universe for Final Fantasy 15, but but at the same time, majority of the DLC is there to fill in the holes that the main game left open. So, I mean, Kingdom Hearts Two had a similar thing with uh, with with King, like with Kingdom Hearts Two Final Mix. They did add a lot of content that 
filled in holes. Like, for example, the Roxas fight. They added that back in with, with Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix. But I kind of feel like with Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix, that's then both doing that, but also like doing it the right way. So some things that Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix does different than what Final Fantasy XV's DLC does. For one, and this is a big one, it all comes out at once and then it's done. It's not this constant drip feed. That's one big thing. Uh, Another thing is that it's a lot of content all at once, and it feels substantial. Uh, Another big thing, and this is like in terms of style of the extra content, a lot of the content that's new in, in, in Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix isn't just to fill in plot holes. It's also to extend the series. A lot of the stuff is for future titles in the Kingdom Hearts series, like Birth by Sleep. So it's not only for Kingdom Hearts, whereas with Final Fantasy XV stuff, it's only for filling in plot holes. The other, and this is a kind of a big thing to remember, is that when Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix came out, it came out as Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix Plus. And what was that plus? It was a Free full, chain of memories. It was a full remake of Free Chain of Memories on PS2. So like And and nobody nobody saw that coming because nobody when saw mentioned that, that when Nomura mentioned that in his interview with I think it was what the Ultimania interview or Famitsu. Yeah. Nomura specifically stated he had a trump card. And yeah. that trump card was Rechain of Memories. Exactly. So like even though, yes, in some ways, Kingdom Hearts 2 was kind of incomplete. It did miss some things. But the content that they added for Final Mix to make it substantial is just so overwhelmingly uh you know adequate. It's so it, it's got everything you could possibly want. They filled in the stuff that needed filling. They fixed character models. They fixed various things in the game, but then they also added a ton of stuff to it. A bunch of extra content story content that extended the series into the future so it feels like you're getting something new and not just constantly just trying to fix your problems from the past so you know just everything about kingdom hearts 2 final mix is like this is how you uh go back and add things to your game so i feel that's a lot better so but so churro how do you feel about the the second part of the question, how far into the future are you willing to buy DLC for it? I, I guess, I mean, honestly, I guess for I, us, it's, it's kind of a, a bad question. Cause for us, we'll buy everything. Yeah. But like, a, a, but for me, what for do you me, want? It has to be, when do you want it to for, end? I want it to win whenever they're ready to, you know, release the next game. It's like, okay. you know, it's got to end. Well, I mean, like I said, it's got to end at some point. You can't Definitely. keep purposely adding it just because you're trying to fill in, you know, some filler be- between this and the next game. Yeah. So it's like, for me, it's just that you have to keep spending more and more. Like, for example, if you bought the Ultimate Collector Edition for 15, you didn't get a season pass, which is ridiculous. But if you bought the season pass. Then you have to buy the Royal Pack, which is another $20. Yep. 
or, you know, what people have said that if you took all that into account, buying the game at release to the season pass, you know, to buying the Royal pack, that ends up being more expensive than buying the Royal, you know, edition, you know, or the Windows version by itself. If you're, you're playing the game for the first time, that's actually a cheaper. Yep. Method, which is actually who... how I've gone about it, is I just decided to buy the PC version. Exactly, because that's a cheaper option for somebody just getting into the game versus somebody who was already playing the game at launch. Exactly, which so, yeah, it just then it, it just feels like we're being second, punished. Yeah, now you have a second round, which everybody has to pay again. Exactly. So my question is: is treating you know? Kingdom Hearts is, you know, as what they call games as a service. To me, I don't think that's, you know, fair because when are you going to get the complete complete version of this game? Yeah. When are you? I think part of cuz I think part of the problem with 15 is that so much of the content is based around fixing problems with the game and making the the base game better as as a whole and it makes it it makes the people who bought into it feel like they they wasted their money and wasted their time by buying the inferior version before and that the the smart thing should be oh you should never buy in until the very end when they're finally done with support for the game and then you should buy in i think Dude, that's what a lot of people are saying but then you also have the hardcore, hardcore fans of fifteen who who thinks that there's nothing wrong with it. No, there's it, thinking that, <laughs> and their and that. their reasoning is that oh, at least you know they're releasing more content for the game. Yeah. But I'm like, yeah, more money you have to spend on something that should have you know at least some of it should have been there since the beginning. Yeah, I think if the content is something that it is not solely based around fixing problems with the game and fixing yeah. a, a clearly incomplete thing. If it's something that extends the game and, you know, is significant. And another big thing is if it's the right price, which, you know, the, I feel that the Royal edition, the Royal pack is, well, the Royal edition that that's, that that's got everything in it, but the Royal pack is not the right price. It is $20 yeah. for what is roughly equivalent to one and a half of the episode DLCs. Uh, the episode DLCs, by the way, are about five bucks. So the Royal edition, the Royal pack specifically does not come with $20. You know, they're selling it for $20. It's not $20 worth of content. $20 worth of content before got you three different DLC packs uh, three different DLC episodes, each about you know two to three hours, and an entire multiplayer expansion for Final Fantasy Fifteen. So that's, that that's what twenty dollars got you before. Now twenty dollars gets you you know one dungeon. It's kind of an extension. Uh, s- some extra bosses, uh, a new a couple of new modes, uh, a couple of new battle modes, first person mode, some weapons, you know various cosmetic things it's not uh, it's those, not 20 dollars like the weapon stuff is type of stuff you get when you pre-order exactly you know this is not stuff that people want to spend all this money on that is not the kind of dlc people want that's not only see not, not only that then then you have tabata 
you know, listening to what the fans want. That's why he keeps doing it. And he's like, oh, fans want Luna. Fans want an Arden, you know, DLC. You know, it's, and then he, then he goes off and does this. Then he goes off and saying, oh, you got to pay more for this if you want to. At that point, I'm just like, you know what? I'm just done. You know, it's, it's, when you, when you have to resort to releasing a second season pass, you know, for a game that's, you know, going on, you know, two year two to almost three years old by the time those ones comes out, you know, then you're just like, you know, who cares? You know, you, you've already moved on to other games. So, you know, so if, if I, if I had to say how long I would want Kingdom Hearts 3 to go on, I would say no more than one year. Well, remember, you got to remember most season passes, you know, most games have just one season pass and they've already covered it, it when you pre-order the game. Yeah. It already tells you, you know, what's going to be in the season pass and then, then you know whether or not you want that season pass or not. Here, it's just like, here's here's a season pass and here's what you're getting. Oh, and here's a couple more things we're going to be adding, but you got to pay for it. Oh, you want more content? Oh, here's a second season pass type of thing that's coming out in the next year. You, but you still got to pay for it. It's like, kind of like the whole, you know, oops, psych. You know, it's like how many times you're going to keep pulling that card? I kind of wish season passes weren't a thing, and I kind of wish they would just like um, yeah. sell. I'm, sell. Don't you remember when games when sell games us DLC come out, after? That was, that's all you get. Yeah, that's all you got. You know, all the games were complete. Now most games nowadays don't feel completed as it is before. You know, as it is now. You know, you have to rely on DLC to in order to get to fully explain why this scene in the base game happened, and um, or why you get to see what happened when it continued. It. It's you know, it's to me. I don't. I just don't like how games are now made nowadays. You know, you just have to keep paying more to get the full experience. I want a full experience. If you guys decide to give me a DLC, that's fine. But don't use it to fix the base product. Use it to add something that is completely standalone and extends the product. Doesn't go back and fix it. If there was Final Fantasy 15 content that happened after the ending. Of Final Fantasy 15 and and continue the story. I think this would be a much different conversation. Uh, I think the biggest thing that leaves a bad taste in people's mouth is the fact that this DLC is being released to fix the game that they released. It makes it feel much it. It makes, it feel, why, it makes you feel like your purchase was worthless, and it makes me feel worthless. I mean, I paid you know you know sixty bucks for a game. You know, they came with the, you know, you know, and then that I got to pay for season pass and I got to pay for a Royal pack that I got to pay for another set of season uh, DLCs. And then if I want to play on windows, then I have to pay 50 bucks for that. Oh yeah. It's just, it's just not good for the consumer at all. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Anyway, it's not. true. Let's move on to the next question. Yep. This one's from Victor clone and they write, what's the deal with Sora's hair color? In Kingdom Hearts 1, it was solid brown color, but in Kingdom Hearts 2, it was like a dirty blonde. And since then, they've re- retroactively made his hair lighter in 1.5 and rechain of memories. Is there a reason for this? So, my guess for why this is the case is Sora's hair was always supposed to be this color. And the reason I say this is that uh, even back as far as Kingdom Hearts 1, 
you know, there was two different Sora models in that game, you know, at, at any given point. There was the high polygon model. That's the one that has all the really nice animation, fully animated face, fully animated eyes, mouth, and everything. Uh, and then there's the low poly model. That's the one that everybody hates when, you know, Sora is just on the screen and his face is just a flat texture on, you know, on his face. And it's just like the lips are flapping open and closed and his eyes flap open and closed to blink. And it's just like, it looks really cheap and like it's just automatic animation because it is. So uh, that model, that model's hair is a lot lighter in color than the high polygon model. Why is the high polygon model have dark brown hair? And why does like the low poly model not have dark brown hair? I'm not sure. If I had to guess, it might be related to the intro movie and the fact that the intro movie, you know, that was handled by, you know, Square Enix internally, probably a different team. I don't know if Visual Works was a thing at the time, but you know, whoever, whatever part of their team did that, and it's very possible that they saw what that opening looked like, and maybe Sora's hair was too light, and they adjusted it. Not sure, but for whatever reason, that Sora model that we see in the game that's really uh, high poly that has the dark hair, for some reason, he looks almost identical to the one in the CG cutscenes. So that's where I'm guessing that from. Uh, if you look at some of the 2D artwork for Sora that was released around that time, his hair was a lighter mm-hmm. color it, or it was, it was like a light Brown. It wasn't like fully all the way dirty blonde, like it is in Kingdom Hearts two, but it wasn't fully Brown either. So I think it was just kind of an error back in the day. You know, they didn't know this was going to be a series anyway. Uh, but in Kingdom Hearts, uh, in Kingdom Hearts three, it doesn't seem like it's gotten lighter. Like it seems, you know, s- some people uh, guessed over the years that his hair was slowly going up and getting lighter, and that's because he's got Ventus inside him, and that he was slowly, slowly going to look like Ventus over the years. But uh, so far, it doesn't seem like his hair has gotten any lighter in Kingdom Hearts three, even though it has gone up more. But uh, I would say just wait till the final final yeah, thing you, to make. Sh- you can, you can wait till the final game. But a- another interesting point to make is that Kingdom Hearts two and Kingdom Hearts three, or uh, let me rephrase that: Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance and Kingdom Hearts, which uses the Kingdom Hearts two model, and Kingdom Hearts three happen immediately after each other. Uh, not to mention zero point two Sora has the same Kingdom Hearts two design. So his hair going up is probably just the result of he got a haircut. That's that's literally it. Because it I mean, ha- hey, if Rico's ha- having haircuts and Rico's his, got his a haircut, hair's growing different. It's it's just it's just a haircut. It's not it's not a mystical magical thing. He got a haircut. Because like at the end of 0.2, which we saw, and it wasn't in, in the new Unreal Engine 4 style, you know, we saw Kingdom Hearts 2 model Sora. And he was there, and he looked the way he looked, and he looked the way he looked before heading off to Olympus Coliseum. So, you know, if he, you know, whenever he does finally get his costume in Kingdom Hearts 3, however that happens, it's probably just a costume change. Probably just a haircut. Nothing to worry about. So, uh, 
Yeah, true. You got anything to say about Sora's hair over the years? Got any no, feelings? No, really, because honestly, I don't really care. Which, which one do you like the best, actually? <laughs> Which is your I actually, favorite? I'm I'm actually used to his Kingdom Hearts 2 look, and I think that's the one I like the most because it's all spiked out and all that. And it's more spikier than it was in Kingdom Hearts one. How do you feel it, about the the change in model from the Kingdom Hearts one original version to the one they have now, which is based off of his Dream Drop Distance model? How do you feel about that change? Nah, I can't really comment. Like I said, I don't really pay attention. I mean. I, I I noticed the change, but at the same time, I really don't pay attention okay. to it, and I just no, don't care. It doesn't make a big difference for you. I <laughs> yeah, would say... To me, it doesn't. I've gotten used to it now, so it doesn't bother me too much. The only mm. model I don't like, which is similar to the new one, but not quite the same, is I don't really like his, uh, his re-chain of memories model, because he's got some weird lips. <laughs> I don't like I don't like the lips of the Reaching of Memories model, but thank goodness it only stayed in that game and that game's done. The the Dream Drop Distance model's fine. So and hey, move it moving on from now, we're not gonna use any of those models. If they want Kingdom Hearts One Sora again, they're gonna have to remake him. So I guess we all win in the end. So uh anyway, moving on. Uh our music for this episode is another cover from of Don't Think Twice from Kingdom Hearts 3. This one comes from Jenny and the Pumpkins. So, uh, I the, like that name. Yeah, it is a really great name. So, uh, so actually, the, this this cover's got a few uh, interesting uh, things to it. So, uh, the Pumpkins on YouTube did a remix of "Don't Think Twice" using Utada uh, Utada Hikaru's vocals, and then Jenny took their version, stripped out uh, Utado's vocals, and then she covered it. So that's what we're going to be listening to on this show. I want you guys to go and listen to both of them. Uh, so if you just Google Don't Think Twice and then The Punkins, uh, T-H-E-P-U-N-K-E-N-S, Punkins, uh, it's a really great cover. And, and obviously, listen listen to the one that we're going to show you now, which is uh, Jenny's version. Uh, And this is, in my opinion, the best version of it that we've heard that would possibly work as like an opening version of the song. You know, we said before that when we listen to Don't Think Twice, it sounds like the ending version of it because it's a little bit sad and melancholic. This one is upbeat. It's really great. It's got some banging drums and like it sounds so cool and upbeat and I could totally see this being like the intro version. Obviously it's fan made, so it's not it's not gonna be anything, but you know, I just think y'all should listen to it. It's super awesome. So please enjoy that. Our next episode of Kingdom Hearts Union is scheduled for the twenty seventh of March. Which by the way, we might have we might have a special guest. Just saying. Ooh. <laughs> I forgot to mention it earlier, but we might have a special guest on next podcast. So please keep your eyes out for that on Twitter at KH Union. And uh, as always, and- if you guys like the show, please subscribe to it on Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union. You can just search for Kingdom Hearts and we're number one. Oh, yeah. And of course, you can also catch every episode at KingdomHeartsUnion.com. And remember, you can support us on Patreon at Patreon.com slash FFKH Union. 
And if you have any questions, please send them to khuquestions at gmail.com. All right, Churro, it's goodbye time. All right. Uh, goodbye, guys. Thank you for joining us for another episode, and uh, hope to see you guys in the next one. Thank you so much for all your support, too. Absolutely. And you know what, Churro? I just noticed. Next episode. What's that? Next episode is going to be our celebration. We should have a celebration. Sounds like Xemnas. So we're gonna what have. We a, have a, what are we celebrating? It's our ce- the celebration of the 16th anniversary Ooh. of Kingdom Hearts. 16 years old. 16. They can. They can. They can finally start learning to drive and going to work. Yep. So now Kingdom Hearts is officially older than Sora. <laughs> Can't believe it. That's crazy. Oh man. We should tell Nomura. Did you know Kingdom Hearts Wait, is, is it? older than Sora? No. Well, Kingdom Hearts won Sora. Okay. Isn't yeah, Kingdom Hearts one Sora's been uh, already been there, but Kingdom Hearts two Sora is still fifteen. And but, as but, of, but in Kingdom Hearts three, isn't he sixteen in Kingdom Hearts three? Well, we don't know yet. We ha- we don't know if he's okay. aged at all. He uh, we haven't gotten a mention of his age yet. Okay. He, he might be. He might be sixteen, but we don't know how 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 much time passed during Kingdom Hearts two. But at the very okay. least. He will be older than Kingdom Hearts 2 Sora. And he will be the same age as Kingdom Hearts 2 Riku. So, it's getting there. It's getting dangerous. Nomura better announce that that Sora is 16 in this game, or we're going to have some problems. Right. Oh, man. But that's crazy, though, because think about it. Like, so just... A year after the release of Kingdom Hearts 2, regardless of what happens in the game, like Kingdom Hearts 1 will be older than Kingdom Hearts 3 Sora immediately. Whereas with Kingdom Hearts 2, Kingdom Hearts 2 released in 2005, and it took all the way until just now for Kingdom Hearts 1 to get older. <laughs> That's the problem with, That's the, crazy. with this series. It took so long to release Kingdom Hearts 3. Man, let, let's let's not do that against uh, Nomura-san. Let's... Let's let's make sure Kingdom Hearts keeps getting made constantly. So uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening to the show. I'm Brandon saying goodbye. This has been a KingdomHeartsUnion.com production. They don't really mean, really.